0: All right, so here we go. Um, we want to continue. We have quite a bit of slides to cover tonight, and we have uh, basically four meetings in this month. This is the first meeting to try to um, finish up with rediscovering the lost kingdom. So um, we're going back to look at where we stopped off. At. Last week we stopped off um, or we basically dealt with eight needs. Uh, essential needs of man. Today, we want to start off and look at the fall of man and the things that um, were lost because of the fall. The fall of man and the things that were lost because of the fall. There are quite a bit of scriptures to be read. Uh, We may not read all of them. You will take note of some of them, and you will go back and um, study them. So, let's go. Okay, so the first thing that man lost was his sonship. Man lost his sonship. Now, when we talk about sonship, let me try to clarify some things here. Sonship is a very powerful thing and it is one of the major components in God's dealings with mankind. Um, Unfortunately, uh, in charismatism, sonship has been messed up to become man worship. And uh, some people, or with some, what somebody described as a, as a system of codependency, where it seems like somebody is the one at the top and everybody just look up onto him and they call the person a papa, a father and all. But when we begin to deal with the grace of sonship, the spirit of sonship, um, it is much more higher, much more potent, much more powerful than um, the model that has been perpetuated by some so-called fathers of the faith. It has messed up people. It has locked people out of their true identity. And many of the things that um, today is described as sonship are just things that pass forward, um, where people just depend on a man of God. And um, they even lose themselves. They lose their own identity in Christ. And they begin to pursue a model and identity that is not theirs. Um, I wrote somewhere. Uh, that many young people get blinkered. They get blinkered by this false image of father and son relationship. In some places, people have to actually pay. People have to actually pay to be admitted into sonship. All those things does not constitute sonship. Adam lost his relationship with God. And so I wrote something like this. I said, some... Something about religious Christianity that has blinkered the modern day believer, especially the upcoming generation of preachers. The endless pursuit of gifts of, um, of the spirit and manifestation onto the deep. Oh, okay, so I'm quoting something else. Um, I have something on sonship uh, that speaks to the fact that people lose their, their true self and all. That is a different thing I just read. So let's begin to examine this issue of sonship. And see what is it that God has for us. So, um, John chapter 1, the verse 12. Very popular scripture. John chapter 1, the verse 12. Even Jesus Christ had to relate to God as a son. The verse 12. He says that, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. To those who believe on his name. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, the verse 15 through 17, it holds a lot of principles on sonship. A lot of principles on sonship. Romans 8, the verse 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear but the spirit of faith of adoption, by whom you cry, Abba, Father. The the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. Now, I back up a bit and go to the verse 14. It says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Adam, I'm not going to read the next uh, scripture. Adam lost his sonship when he fell. And um, reading Romans chapter 8, for example, there are several principles, but I just touched on one, then I can move forward. It is that principle of being led by the Spirit of God. Being led by the Spirit of God, not in okay, I'm having this feeling and all, but when we can do nothing um, without the Spirit of God. Adam lost that essence because that Spirit of God left him and another nature occupied him. So his relationship with God was lost. In Christ Jesus, these things are restored, and we'll discuss that much more. The second thing um, that was lost by Adam, man, was dominion, the right to rule the earth. Why is man defeated at this stage of life or in this realm of life? It's because the original dominion was lost, the right to rule. And govern and reign. There are several words that goes into dominion. One is to rule, one is to reign. Another word is still also dominion and all. And even manage is another word. Man lost that right to manage. Man lost that right to rule. Man lost that right to reign and govern the earth. And that was one of the craziest things that we could ever lost inside the world because of sin. Matt, Matthew chapter five, the verse five. Uh, Matthew chapter five and the verse five. We have quite a bit of scriptures to read, but not all we can read at this time. Matthew chapter five, the verse five. And what does it say? And the right to rule and dominate. It says, "Bless are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." Adam lost this. Adam lost this. In Matthew twenty-eight, the verse eighteen. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ um, said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. All power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. So that restoration comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can, you can copy these scriptures as well. Luke chapter 10, the verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 8. First Peter chapter 2. The verse nine. You know what is in First Peter chapter two, the verse nine. You know what is in Revelations chapter one, the verse six. Then Revelations chapter five, the verse ten, and lastly Revelations chapter twenty-two, the verse five. It says that in First Peter two nine, for he has made us a kingdom priest, um, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. It is these uh, or these two things we've labeled so far that Adam lost, and we are gaining this back. The third thing that Adam lost was God's spirit. I touched on that briefly earlier. was God's spirit. Adam didn't have the spirit of God in him again like we have received today because of the fallen nature. Um, John chapter 14, the verse 16. Let's read a couple of them. John chapter 14, the verse 16. We have quite a bit of slides to cover. John 14, the verse 16. And what does it say? These are very popular scriptures. And these things we are discussing, they are basic to our success. Our success in terms of fulfilling the will and the plan of God. If we are going to fulfill uh, fulfill the will and the plan of God, then it's of necessity that we return to the place of sonship and understand it. I plan to do a bit of introduction on the grace of sonship um, as we talk about our recovery um, in dealing with the primal nature of man. Um, I plan to deal with that issue of um, an introduction of sonship and try to get one of my colleagues to come and speak extensively from another perspective on sonship. And that will be something you need to return to uh, a place of um, uh, functionality in the earth. We didn't come into this world um, to be talking about leadership. Leadership is good, but access and functionality inside the earth is by sonship. And then we also talk about dominion. You need to get that right back, um, that permission to succeed inside the earth. Oftentimes, people get stagnated and locked up on destiny. One of the things that um, God does is to begin to give men and women the dominion, the right to rule and govern and reign inside this realm of upheavals and chaos and catastrophic and whatever you may call it, good and bad. God begins to give that right. Um, An example, I'm just backing up a bit. An example you see is when um, Genesis 49 Jacob gathered together his children, called them together, and said, come and let me tell you what will befall you in the days coming as I depart and leave the earth. And Jacob pronounced upon Simeon. He said, Simeon, you are an instrument of cruelty. And he said, you, Reuben, you went into my, my, my couch with my concubine. He says that um, uh, he cursed Reuben. And Simeon, he said, you are unstable as water. And um, it was said by commentators that immediately Reuben was that pronunciation was made on Reuben. Reuben's lineage began to diminish. Now you fast forward and look at uh, uh, um, Deuteronomy 33. And the Bible says in the verse 1, this is the blessing Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of, of Israel before his departure. And then you read down somewhere, it says in chapter 33 of Deuteronomy, and Moses said over Reuben, it said, let not the men of Reuben be few. And it is also said that right after that pronunciation, the stability for that family called Reuben, that tribe, began to gain momentum again. So you need the dominion. You need the right. You need permission to succeed. When you come into the Ephraim. even Jesus Christ needed that permission and that right to succeed. So you saw at his baptism that um, the father had to come down and it was a practice inside the Jewish culture that when a son attains a certain stature, the father will be able to trust him and the father will be able to speak over him and the father will be able to give him instructions concerning his state, his estate, and his, um, um, should we say his factories and businesses and opportunities. And this son can go and hold meetings on the father. Now, in that regard, I'm just speaking about this issue of permission to succeed. In that, in that regard, you would notice that the um, um, Jesus Christ, when he came out of the Father, out of the water, the Father pronounced over him and said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." You saw the issue of dominion, the right to to rule and govern, the right to interface and stand on the behalf of the Father. You saw issues of permission to succeed. You saw commissioning you saw divine attestation taking place right there you saw approval and this is what man lost but is gained in christ so man lost the spirit of god john chapter 14 the verse 16 and i will pray the 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 father and he will give you another helper um that you may that he may abide with you forever Adam lost it, but we are receiving of the Spirit of God, and that will abide with us forever. So take John chapter 14, 16, Acts chapter 2, the verse 17. And then Romans chapter 8, again, let's read the verse 11. And it says that, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through His Spirit who dwells among you, we have become the habitation of God. We have become a thing. We have become the place where God, um, who is of divine origin, settles in and finds expression inside my mankind. This Adam lost as well. Adam lost his provision and Adam lost his shelter. Let's flip and go to Matthew um, chapter six. This we, we, is it's, it's like a team scripture We will keep coming to it um, every now and then. Matthew chapter 6, the verse 33. And what does it say? It says that, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, the verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own, its own things. Sufficient for the day is the trouble or the evil thereof. Um, the verse 11 of Matthew um, chapter 6. Uh, Give us this day our uh, deliberate. Adam lost it. Adam lost his provision and shelter. Adam's shelter was the kingdom. Adam's shelter was a kingdom which was symbolized in Eden. The garden of God that was planted, towards, um, uh, planted in the eastern part of um, um, that existence. And Adam completely lost it. Every provision was there. And when Adam left the garden, when he was taken out of the garden, he had to toil, he had to teal. Um, Genesis chapter 3, God spoke and said, Out of the sweat of your brow you shall eat. Um, to eat out of the sweat of your brow, to struggle to find food, shelter, and comfort is out of the curse. It's never out of a blessing. So I ask that the Lord will place a blessing, and I pray that the curse of servitude, will be broken off our individual lives and that our hands and everything about us will become fruitful and that we don't need to spin. If you read uh, Matthew chapter 6, it says that look at the lilies of the field. They do not spin. Look at the best of the air. They do not sow. It said these lilies of the field, they are better clothed than Solomon in his glory. I ask that the Lord God Almighty as we are rediscovering his kingdom will break the curse of of lack of provision and shelter and provide for every one of us. I speak into matters of rent right now that if any of us have issues with rent, I ask that the Lord will break the back of that limitation and release for you overflowing and abundant team of provision regarding your rent. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Adam lost the glory of God. Adam lost the glory of God. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, the verse 22. You know, Jesus prayed. um, If you look at, I think, John chapter 12, um, where Jesus began to speak. From John chapter 12 down to um, um, when he was taken up in Gethsemane in chapter 18. It flows under one condition when they were having the of Supper. And in chapter 17, Jesus break out into uh, some other greater uh, mandates. In the verse 22, it says, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. These things were lost. Um, Romans chapter 8, the verse 30. You, is something you need to take note of. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the verse 18. And Hebrews chapter 2. Let's read Hebrews chapter 2, the verse um, 10. Hebrews chapter 2, the verse 10. And what does it say? Hebrews 2, the verse 10. And it says that, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of your salvation, Perfect through suffering. So it is in Christ these things are restored. John 17, 22, Romans 8:30, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the verse 18, Hebrews 2, the verse 10. Adam lost the kingdom. Adam lost the kingdom. Adam lost the right to the kingdom and to stay in the kingdom. In Luke chapter 12, the verse 31 and 32. I love um, um, those verses. Luke chapter 12, the verses 31 and 32. 31, it reads, But seek the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added to you. The verse 32 do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, Remember the statement I made about two weeks ago that God is already disposed and is already given and is already willing to cause us to have access to the kingdom. And therefore, it is, it is an inheritance that He is living with us. It's, it's an inheritance that He is placing upon us. Look at what Jesus had to say in the verse 29 of Luke 22. In the verse 29 of Luke 22, He says, And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me. God is already disposed to give us the kingdom. And you can take Mark chapter nine, the verse one as well. And this also, Adam lost. Let's talk about relationships that were affected by the fall. Relationships that were affected by the fall. When man fell, it took up entire creation in the fall. It wasn't just two persons that fell with their proteges, but it was the the fall of entire creation. When you look at the book of um, um, Romans chapter 8, it speaks of how creation was subjected not by its own will. A moment, please. A moment. How creation was subjected not by its own will, But because the one that was in charge failed, it was the state of man that held everything in place. It was man that was in charge. And I show you something in scripture. In Genesis chapter one, when God created everything, the Bible says that God said it was good. You observe and he said it was good. But immediately God created man. The Bible said God said it was very good. Man was the beautification, the finality, and the garnishing of God's creation. Man was the perfect manager for God's creation. But when man fell, um, everything began to fall with man. I'm just laying out down this preamble. Everything scattered and fell with man. So one of the first things that was affected was relationship between man and God. That relationship failed completely. In Romans chapter 5, we'll read a lot of scriptures romans chapter 5 the verse 1 and then the verse 10 romans chapter 5 the verses 1 and the verse um the, the verse 10. what does it say it says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ that relationship is brought back inside christ in the verse 10 it says that for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Relationship in God is restored in Christ, but under Adam, it collapsed and fell apart. So you take those scriptures also, Romans chapter 8:15, Romans chapter 8 verse 15, and 2 Corinthians chapter five the verse 18. The second thing that fell apart, remember, I spoke about when man fell, it was catastrophic. It affected every realm. It affected the heavens. It affected the depth of the sea. It affected fishes. I mean, everything. Animals began to die. Human beings began to die. Fishes are dying. Plants have lost their age, their eternal aged instantly and began to die. And the heaven and the earth became separated and went apart. That was not the original plan and intent of God. The heavens and the the earth, the lines between the heavens and the earth was totally blurred. That man could walk into heaven and experience God, and God comes down in the cool of the day to engage man. Speaking about Enoch in the Bible, the Hebrew people in their culture have these writings to say about Enoch. They said Enoch kept going to God and visiting God in heaven until one day God told Enoch that it was enough. This is home, stay here. So that is why the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Enoch walked with God and he was without and God took, because God took him away. It was that Enoch arrived at that place where um, it became, heaven became, it became homely in, in heaven, and God said, "This is enough of home be here." So the heavens and the earth needed not to be that separated as much as there are heights between the Earth and the heavens, it needed not to be a task to conquer the heavens. Look at when a jet flies, the speed and the momentum it has to gather before pushing up through um, with a a trajectory. All of these things was not the original design. Man was created to live seamlessly in the heavenly realms. And um, the Bible says Jesus Christ has held everything up by the word of his love. In Ephesians chapter 1, the verse 10, it says that to that intent in the fullness of time That God will gather up everything as one in Christ Jesus. I'm just quoting that of her, but this is what it says. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth in him. Colossians chapter one, Colossians Chapter 1 and the verse 20. It says, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Come on. I've been talking about, about we understanding the very essence of the born again experience. Adam lost this thing. But do you know that that born again experience took up restoration? of everything heavenly, everything earthly, everything spiritual, and everything physical. We have been brought into one realm inside Christ and through his cross. Adam lost this thing. And as we see the ages unfold and the age will be closed, Jesus Christ is going to receive all these things and gather them up as one in him. But as we speak, In its practical terms, um, um, in its functional terms, we are. But in its physical manifestation, those things or many of those things are yet to be put together under Christ. Man lost relationship between heaven and earth. Um, Man lost relationship between um, himself and nature. Mark chapter 16, the verse 15. Jesus said, go into all the world, go into all the world, go into all the world, and preach the good news of the kingdom to every creature, go into all the world, and preach the good news of the kingdom, preach the message, the gospel of the kingdom to every creature, I want to read that for you, Mark chapter 16, the verse 15 and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature every creature is every creature animal plant nature universe every creature must hear the word of god the wind that we breathe and the air sorry the air that we breathe the wind that passes around us the water that we drink the fish in the sea the birds in the air the plants in the field and at home, the fig tree in your backyard, hear the word of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Because creation was subjected and creation didn't expect and So, creation is waiting for the endless, with an endless expectation for the manifestation of the sons of the kingdom. Romans chapter 8, 19 through 22. Romans 8, 19 through 22. Let's push further. Relationship between Um, within mankind, man lost it. Relationship between Mark and Theophilus was lost. Relationship between Mark and wife was lost. Relationship between prince and mankind was lost. Man could no longer relate to one another. And we have seen this divide of sin, uh, this division caused by sin. And I have personally said that black lives matter, white lives matter, is a sin problem. It has nothing to do with Some people feeling superior, but it is an underlying factor that is called sin. If we can er eradicate the sin problem, tribalism in this country and governmental leaders that make tribal sentiment comments will never, never make it because it will not be in them. But if we do not have the nature of Christ restored, tribal sentiments and comments and tribal colored lenses and name it, Whatever it is, white and blue, will begin to affect our gaze and our view of life and our reaction to humanity. We'll begin to see white as superior and black as inferior. And we'll begin to see black rising up to say, we are superior and want to beat back the white problem. But it is not a black problem, it's not a white problem. It is basically a sin problem. When man fell, it took everything in nature and brought it down. It took everything in nature and brought it down. Let's read John chapter 4, the verses 23 and 24. And what does it say? It says, but the hour is coming now when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in truth and spirit. This is not about black or white. This is not about green or blue. Paul speaks in the book of Philippians of his lineage, his background. And if you read Philippians chapter 3 and read further, you will notice how he said in Christ, he counted all those things as dunk, absolutely nothing, of no gain, of no value, of no substance. He considered them as nothing. Listen to what he said. He says in the verse 3, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. But that is not the correct translation. We are the circumcision who worship God in spirit. It's a nature, it's a character um, that we, we, we possess. It's a skin that we live in. Who rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh of whether black, blue, green, caste system and all. All those things are abolished. man fell and these things came into into being second sorry first thessalonians five twenty three is another area relationship with others relationship with others let's look at romans chapter 3 the verse um, 29 through 30 romans chapter 3 the verse 29 through 30. and here we go romans 3 29 through 30 or um, is he the god of the jews only is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of all Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. You see the bottom line: it is faith in one God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised also by faith. So take these scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 12, the verse 13. And Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 14. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 14, down to the verse 22. Very long passage, but I'll just cut it off somewhere. Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law, the law of commandment containing ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man. I'll just stop, I'll just stop on that verse. I mean, it's, it's a very powerful passage to read. Let, let, let's, let's enjoy this. To create in himself one new man from the two. That's making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to access by one spirit to one father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also have been built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Come on, this is our true living. This is our true skin. Man lost relationship even with the demonic realm. Satanic powers and all began to dominate man. It is is all of this. So when we look at salvation, the word salvation is soteria. And there's another word in the Greek, that is sozo. Soso means to deliver, to snatch out of harm's way. Soteria is analogous. Soteria is a, a statement, it's a sentence. It means to be healed, to be saved, to be delivered, to be prospered, to be preserved, and all. Man lost that authority and control and influence and command over demonic powers. But in Christ Jesus, it is restored. Luke chapter 10 it says it give us power to trend and Serpent and scorpions. Come on. So write these scriptures. Luke chapter 10, 19. John chapter 12, the verse 31. John chapter 12, the verse 31. John chapter 16, the verse 11. Colossians chapter 2, the verse 15. And I want to read that. Colossians chapter 2, the verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, the verse 15. And what does it say to us? Colossians 2, the verse 15. It says that, um, let's read from the verse 14. Having wiped out the handwritten of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, the verse 15, having disarmed, please hear this and hear it well and live in the power of it. Having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over, over them in it. Do you know what Jesus did for us? The very essence of our born-again experience, the new birth, is that all demonic powers live in this place. First of all, every handwritten requirement, case that is reported against you, when you were in the world, all those things were taken up. Your DNA shifted. Your DNA changed. If in your chromosomes there were certain lines and traces of weaknesses, all those things were nipped in the bud. Because he said he wiped out the handwritten of requirements that was against us. Was, was there anything against us? Any case, any disease, any hereditary, family line kind of thing that resurfaces every year, every month, um, within a certain specific period. Is there any demonic oppression? That relationship that was lost is restored in Christ. And the Bible says that he, Jesus, disarmed all principalities and powers. He took away all their powers, their influence and all. Yesterday, yesterday I was almost, maybe you would have been speaking to me from the hospital. Yesterday, I was almost involved in a terrible accident, very terrible accident. I was going somewhere and I crossed the road. Before I step into the road, I made sure that traffic that was close to me was my left. I looked into the road, and I was sure that there was no danger in sight. There was no oncoming motorbike and all. But I step into the road, and I focus. Because to my right, um, I saw some bike, bikers riding towards me. So I was ready to position myself very well, to navigate myself. Only for me to start hearing people screaming from my back and from my left side. And do you know, I never even turned to my left. But whether it's instinctive, but I believe in the spirit of God, I just jumped. I stood at one place and jumped back just an inch. And the biker passed at a top speed. It would have hit me in my, uh, to my side. I would have fallen off. He would have ridden over me, I would have been totally bruised and injured and dragged on the floor. And when I think about it, I think about this scripture having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Look, whatever it may be, whether family problems, and uh, as a family problems, whether uh, family uh, things, demonic powers that are, are. have suppressed you. I want to challenge you by this scripture. Go back and look at your heritage again. He has disarmed. He has disarmed. Hear that and hear it. Whatever the power is, he has disarmed. Witchcraft spells have been disarmed. They have no power. They have no influence. God just brought me to that close shave. And I jumped just an inch back. Just... Just almost like standing at one place and jumping. And the biker passed. I didn't look left. I didn't look right again. I just continued and crossed the road and went to sit down. And it was as if nothing happened. I mean, you come too close to death and you are snatched out of harm's way. You come under the curse. And Jesus says, no, 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 no to the curse. Because the curse of seed. Say to yourself wherever you are now and declare over yourself, The curse and its effect is gone for good in my life because he has disarmed, he has detonated, removed the life force in the curse and that thing cannot stand against you, nor work against you. Go out the chest out and live free as a kingdom person. Let's touch on bondage of corruption, the bondage of corruption, the bondage of corruption. Um, Romans chapter 8, the verse 19 through 21. Romans chapter 8, the verse 19 through 21. That biker would have just, I, 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 I sat down and I'm like, oh God, you took me out of death. You took me out of hate. You took me out of pain. You took me out of frustration. You took me out of something that would have altered my life. I could have had any bone broken. I had a friend. We were outside. He came out of our estate and he was going um, to buy something across the road. He inadvertently forgot and he stepped into the middle of it and a biker hit him. Till now his arm is broken. He can't lift it. He can't lift it. He can't lift it. Let's read Romans chapter chapter 8, the verse 19 through 21. For the endless expectation of the creation, of, of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 21, because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God of the children of God. We stand in this place and we are seeing the bondage, that entire creation. That is where everything is disjointed, everything is broken, everything is messed up, everything is not in order. We stand in this advantageous place where God is restoring us so creation can be restored and gain its life back. Creation can be restored and gain its life back now let's touch on the process of salvation let me just see maybe we touch on the process of salvation and we we may um yes we may end on the process of of salvation let me just see something Okay, so we got a bit to cover, but let's touch on the process of salvation and see what God has for us. Process of salvation. What is there? What is salvation? Ask yourself, what is salvation? Salvation in its ultimate end. When you take Soteria, when you take Sozo, where the Bible speaks of being saved, deliverance, healing, restoration, and all, what is the ultimate end? The ultimate end is realigning with God's original intent for the earth. If you remember, when I taught on the kingdom is here, and I talked about that the earth will be saved, I made a little piece of statement concerning salvation. I used the word salvage, not even a little piece of statement, I spoke a little bit about salvation into detail. So we saw how salvation was expansive, that the broken ruins of nations and life and families and cities that were deserted will be brought back into alignment of God's glory. Alignment with God's glory and very intent. The intent for salvation is that the earth will return to God's original plan. Mankind will be restored in terms of relationship with God as his father, uh, uh, as our king and our father. And that everything that was lost because of the fall of Adam, remember, the fall of Adam took the entire creation down. It took the heavens down. If I say the heavens down, where God dwells, it took the realm of, of even demons down. Everything came down because man was the one that is in charge. Therefore, salvation is realigning to God's original intent for mankind, the earth, and relationships and all. So let's look at born again. What does born again truly mean? Born again simply means regaining our our original citizenship so that we can begin to see the country of our origin. If you say somebody is born again, one of the things that is happening to the person is that we, 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 we regain that citizenship that was lost in Adam. John chapter 3, the verse 3. It says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So when we become born again, we begin to see the kingdom again. Our perspective becomes expanded. We begin to see correctly the original country, which is our hope. In fact, this Thursday, I'm going to start talking on John chapter 3, the verse 3, and I'm going to talk about about how this born-again experience is expansive. That begins to build our minds, our understanding, and awaken a new perception in us and how we can stretch and develop further. Do you know that? Let me let me let me pause here and say something. Do you know that one of the greatest, one of the not one of the greatest, the greatest overwhelming, full of evidence, full of evidence, the greatest overwhelming, the greatest um overwhelming Full of evidence and all, something I call eternal um, legacies, the greatest miracle, which I describe as what a mensch through and through built and tempered with an incredible marvel of extraordinary, revolutionary, or overwhelming evidence, as the most deniable, the most, sorry, the most undeniable verified account in history continuing and foregoing, which is God became man and dwell among humanity, walk among humanity and reign unaffected, unuserved, unaffected, unuserved. Yet many eyes are still muted from this grand, intense, severe truth, which is Christ, born of a woman without any controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed in the word, received up in glory. He became flesh and dwell among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son. Can you imagine that men's eyes are blinded to this reality? When we become born again, we begin to see our homeland again. We desire a better homeland, we only see it clearly and see the fullness and the originality of the kingdom when we return to the place of being born again. Um, um, 1 Peter chapter chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. When we become born again, we begin to regain our original citizenship and return into the kingdom. What is deliverance? These things describe a certain process that takes place. You so remember, I said in born again, there is the, sorry in salvation is born again. There is deliverance. What is deliverance? The deliverance is 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 deactivate or is to deactivate, disconnect, and destroy every influence of the devil and his kingdom from our lives, beginning from our bloodlines, our conception, then our DNA. Even our birth, and then we begin to receive our birthright. I want you to, I want, I want us to pray, pray um, just shortly. Say with me, in the name of Jesus, I deactivate and disconnect myself, I destroy every influence of the devil and of his kingdom in my life. Anything in my bloodline, in my conception, sitting in my DNA, anything that came at the point of my birth, that has stolen my birthright, I command deliverance for myself now in my spirit, in my soul, and in my body. For in Christ Jesus, I have been made free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So Romans chapter seven, the verse six, I'm not going to read those scriptures. Romans seven, the verse six, Colossians chapter one, the verse 13, for he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. First Thessalonians chapter one, the verse 10. First Thessalonians one, the verse 10. Let's look, what do we need to be delivered from what are the things we need to be delivered from so you know what i want you to do at this time as i'm teaching this thing and mentioning them you begin to speak to yourself in the background and you command these things to break off your life we need to be delivered from pride pride is bible says that um, pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before we need to be delivered from culture culture lenses you remember that when we were dealing with Two weeks ago, when we're dealing with he breath and man became, I started off the presentation by showing you about eight things that handicap man. Um, Culture is one of them. Um, Our denomination is one of them. Our traditions, one of them. Our brand happens to be one of them. Religion happens to be one of them. And the list continues. So we need to be delivered from family culture, Ghanaian culture, American culture, United Kingdom culture, Canadian culture, Nigerian culture, Liberian culture, African setting culture and all. We need to know that he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We need to be delivered from the orphan spirit or the orphan heart. We will address this uh, much more, the orphan spirit and the orphan heart. We will address it, and I will address part of it here. I will address part of it here, and I will address part of it also in um, in that um, um, uh, um, He breathed and man became. Because one of the things that God distorted in us when the fall happened is the way we began to view God. Adam went into a hiding, and God called out, Adam, where are you? And he was hiding in between the trees. Adam was literally hiding between the trees. And God said, and Adam said, I heard of your voice, and I have to hide. I said, did you eat of what, um, that fruit? He said, no, it's the woman. The woman said it's the snake. The blame game continues. And so man, some of us view God like some one crazy old man sitting up there, ready to kill us and all. That orphan spirit must be broken from us. That often spirit must be broken from us. Um, we need to be broken from the opinion. And let me add the false expectation of others. Some people just live under false expectation of others. Uh, some people, I was prophesying to a couple, and I was talking to them about the false expectation and how I see um, something that was going to divide the relationship. And the confirmation was just too much. I mean, the issues in the background about false expectation of leaders and fathers and mothers and brothers. You need to be delivered from people's opinion. What matters is God's opinion, no other. You need to be delivered from the religious spirit. And we've addressed that um, a lot in Hebride and Man Became. You, you, You need to be delivered from the spirit of this world. It's a demon. It's a spirit that views... I mean, this spirit can make people to value money more than than um, human life. This spirit places premium on, on earthly things, the material, the material, the temporal and the materialistic world. You need to be delivered from the spirit of Mormon uh, 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 when you come into Christ. The spirit of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the spirit of individualism. Some people, cannot work in a team, they cannot work. They cannot dwell in a family, they cannot work with people. They are called, I walk alone. That demon you need to be broken from. And so one of the things God has done for us is that when we become born again, he brings us into the family of both angels and men so that we can learn how to relate and live. The spirit of pleasure. Some people are just pleasure seekers and all they are given to is pleasure. They get money, they want to buy this, and they just want to sweet themselves. They just want to cost themselves. All of those spirits, I'm not saying don't have fun, but those spirits that keeps you bound, you need to be delivered from. Fears and insecurity, fear of the unknown. I mean, I remember years back, I was just there and I'm just afraid. I don't know what I'm afraid of. And I've ministered to people who have been in, through such experiences we broke the power of fear and insecurities. These things have even spoiled people's home and their marriages. The woman is not just secure, doesn't just feel feel secure and afraid about everything. The spirit of poverty, this one we need to break from. We need healing from emotional wounds and traumas. How father treated you. Abuses from husband, abuses from boyfriend and wife and, and girlfriend. That has traumatized people that some people cannot longer love again. That deliverance lies in the salvation experience. Let's talk about redemption. Let's talk about redemption. In salvation, is redemption. Redemption is receiving or buying back everything we lost or was stolen from us. That is redemption. We are buying back, we are receiving back everything that was lost. Take these scriptures. Take these scriptures. 1st Corinthians chapter 1 the verse 30 1st Corinthians 1 the verse 30 Galatians chapter 3 the verse 3 Galatians chapter 3 the verse 3 Hebrews chapter 9 the verse 12 Hebrews chapter 9 the verse 12 and 1st Peter chapter 1 the verse 8 1st Peter chapter 1 the verse 8 let me read just a couple of them 1st Corinthians chapter 1 the verse 30 and this, hear what it says, First Corinthians chapter one, the verse thirty. But of him, you, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, and redemption. Now let's read Galatians. Galatians are something powerful to say. Galatians chapter three, the verse, um, the verse three. It says, are you so, no, this scripture, um, it says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, you are now being made perfect in the flesh. This this scripture, let's go down to the verse 13. It should be the verse 13, not the verse three. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Redemption, everything we lost is come back, not coming back, is come back when we experience salvation. Restoration, returning something to its original owner, purpose, place, and function. Let's repeat that. Restoring something to its original owner, purpose, place, and function. You remember the statement that said, um, all other things are functioning in terms of what God has asked them to do, but man is out of place. Then also remember the statement in Romans chapter 8. That speaks to the fact that Creation is taken up in the fall. And restoration through salvation is that everything will return to its original owner, who is God, and to its proper place of functionality and purpose. Acts chapter 3, verse 21. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. Which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. So why is Jesus still in heaven? It is that the restoration of all things must happen. When we come into salvation, something happened to us called, it is called transformation. It is, it is, we 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 morphs, we we metamorphose from one stage. To another stage, and it is dramatic outward change by manifesting the new man or the new creation that is within. There is a change and a transformation that takes place on our inside, and this change and transformation becomes evident in what we say and how we say things, how we address humanity. This becomes evident in how we react and respond to things. So let's read one scripture. Take them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, um, chapter 3, the verse 18, and then Romans chapter 12, the verse 2. Let me take it again. 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 17. Then 2nd Corinthians chapter 3, the verse 18. And then Romans chapter 12, the verse 2. When we become born again, our minds are now hooked unto God and his world, the new man that dwells in us, will begin to receive transformation. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. All things, all things means all things. All things about you have become new. You may stumble and continue to talk the way you talk for, for some time in terms of maybe the harshness, and all, but the transformation lives in your spirit. And as you continue to yield your being to it, that transformation takes over every aspect of your life. When we talk about salvation, inside salvation is something called manifestation. We begin to reveal God's kingdom. We begin to reveal our kingdom sonship to creation around us. And creation begins to dance and respond to that endless expectation. To which they have been subjected to that the sons of the kingdom will manifest. Let's read um, the scriptures that are there, but let's read 1 Corinthians twelve seventeen. So Romans chapter 8, the verse 19, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the verse 17, and listen to what it says. It says that if the whole body, um, 1 Corinthians twelve seven, not 17, 12:7, 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. speaking about the gift of the spirit, but alluding to manifestation. Manifestation, you know what it means? It means to proclaim. Manifestation means to make it evident. Manifestation means to show, to wear it upon. That transformation that has taken place in our spirit begins to become an outward man, a mantle that we wear that evidences our sonship, our rulership capacity, where we begin to function in areas of creation to bring control, rulership, government, where we begin to bring solutions, creativities in the areas of engineering, in science, in finance, in agric, every facet of humanity, the endless expectation of creation. Um, when creation was not... Um, Given to the subjugation. But through the fall of man, creation was subjugated, but now awaits the sons to be made manifest. So when we come into the the, the work of salvation, the life of the kingdom is crafted inside us. Sonship is crafted inside us and we ought to begin to live from that, that place. The next thing we find about accompanying salvation is repentance, the action or the process of returning to our original way of thinking by renewing our mind with the word of God. That you need to be doing constantly. That you need to live in. You need to give yourself to the word of God. You need to meditate upon the word of God. You need to allow the word of God to confront your philosophy, your culture, your ideology. And You don't need to behave an American. You don't need to behave Ghanaian. You don't need to behave um, um, uh, Nigerian. You need to behave the son of the kingdom. And that flows through a new thinking system that God infuses you with, a new thinking system that God infuses you with. So I'm going to, let me see um, how much more um, is left under this, so that, OK, so we have, just, we have just something to look at. So I'm going to stop uh, pretty soon. Then we can get into question and answers, and then we call it um, a good day. So let's read Romans chapter 12. The transformation of our minds and our hearts needs to bring us into Let's read Romans chapter 12, the verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not conform to the world. Do not conform to Ghanaian. Do not conform to America. Do not conform to your village tradition, your grandfather's rhythm. Your father's rhythm, culture, do not conform to the world's system of thinking, philosophy, pronouncement um, given to, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing, by the repentance. Metanoia is the way. Sorry, metanoia is the word. Yes, to 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 repent is metanoia. To repent is metanoia. To renew. Your mind, change the way you think that you may prove. We can only prove the will of God when we have a transformed, renewed mind and perspective. When we have that expanded perspective that is hinged on the kingdom. And that is the only point we can honor God. So we come back this week and we begin to look at our purpose reinstated. We come back and look at our purpose reinstated. So I want to stop here and. let's get into um let's get an interaction let's interact let's interact let's get interactive question and answer comments feedback i don't want to drive this so much into the night Who has a question or who has a comment? Who has something to enlighten us on? Um, Okay, so, Tio, go ahead.
1: Yeah. um, We we saw a scripture. Okay. uh, In the last Colossians, Colossians 2, verse 15.
0: Yeah. And
1: then, uh, you know, I thought it's 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 so, you know, it's very powerful when you also look at the other translations. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, when you look at the New King James Version, mm-hmm. having disarmed principalities and powers, mm-hmm. made a public spectacle of them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: triumphing mm-hmm. over them over them in it. Mm. And I thought, wow, that that's that's so powerful. So uh you know there are powers and principalities. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. I mean yeah, but some uh like here, like here in the US, you know, people live like, oh, you know, uh life life just goes, you know, okay. as if nothing matters. Mm. but yes yeah, so when i read this i'm like there are principalities mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: and then in uh, in other translations it says that rulers and mm-hmm. authorities mm-hmm.
0: Like,
1: Ooh, authorities so um you know it's really its really goes to
0: me it really goes to me Great. Yeah, really good. there are principalities there are rulers there are thrones they are wickedness there's there's something the bible describes as wickedness the bible also describes something as the terrible Mm. (laughs) the bible describes something as the terrible and and in fact look if you hear me make certain statements it's because i look at the salvation that we have had and how preachers have taught us out of the power of that salvation to no effect. For example, that the Bible says that he has disarmed. He has disarmed, he has disarmed. That is what it means. We try to garnish it. We try to play around it. We try to do something to read. We try to give some interpretation to read to make it look and feel good. But the Bible says he has disarmed armed, principalities, rulers, thrones, dominions. And you know, this is it. In the Greek culture, when a king, usually kings go to war and they lead their troop and they go to war. When they go to war and they capture enemy forces um, who are taken um, as prisoners of war, when they come back into their city. Cities back then had giant gates that were as tall as whatever you could think about. You can't scale them. The walls were very high. And some of those walls had a flat surface that um, horses, about six chariots, could ride in one direction. That is the nature, for example, when you look at Jericho. Now, when in Greek um, history and mytholo- not mythology, in Greek real history and manifested activities, when kings go to war and they return with prisoners of war, they would tie them to the back of these chariots, and they will make a procession right from the gate, and they will march through the city um, streets and make a public display of these powers. Um, 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 sorry, I said these powers, I'm thinking about uh, Jesus Christ already, and make a public display about, um, of, of these kings and their leaders. And you know something? When they finally get to a stage, the, the king, the emperor, no, the emperor will now come out and stamp his foot on the neck of the chief um, prisoner of war. It may be the king from the other country they conquered, or it may be um, the highest high profile officer on the ground. The emperor, the king, will place his right foot on his neck. And so the Bible says, You shall place your foot upon the neck of your enemies. Now that scripture again, Colossians 2:15, it says, and his spoil, his spoil. That word is an action term. It's like a Chinese movie you watch, where Jesus Christ, and then bringing in Psalm 24, he spore principalities and powers. And so the Bible says, Lift up your head, you gates, and be lifted, you everlasting doors, for the King of glory to come. Then he said, Who is the King of glory? The Lord mighty and powerful. See Jesus Christ in action, spoiling principalities and powers tearing them apart, removing their armor upon them, piercing them through with the sword, cutting off heads, decimating bodies everywhere, pieces of bodies strewn, demonic bodies strewn everywhere. It was quite a bloodbath, the picture it is. And when they bring these prisoners of war, hey, Jesus Christ, having spore principalities and powers, having disarmed principalities and powers, he his, his feet his right foot upon the neck of the chief principality, making a public spectacle, a show, a disgrace, that this power, this principality, has no authority at all. And that is where you and I live in our born-again experience. And so we can, we can speak to every illegality happening in our lives of the lack of the of the demonic attacks and say, come on, back off because we have pushed back power now because that is where we belong. So um, it's very powerful and we need to live in it. You remember that scripture? We also read, um, um, uh, that was the beginning of this uh, session where the Bible says that for Satan has been judged. His end has come. We live in that reality and we live powerfully. We know we cannot die like a foul. Demons cannot sit and throne upon us. I told somebody who was shouting and making noise. I said, if you're a man, he said you're a wizard, fly over my house in the middle of the night and see if you will be normal again. I mean, this realities is the power in which we live in, and it is not arrogated to some special man of God, and it's not arrogated to somebody who has served God for 20 years. If any man be born again, this thing has happened to you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oof. Any question, any comment, any thought, throw it in. Throw it in. Throw it in. Throw it in. No questions. Okay, Ruth, you, you don't have a question. Or you muted yourself. Which is which?
2: I said no question. No okay, question. Ru- Ru- I okay, don't have
0: anything. Ru- Rude Ru doesn't have any question to ask. Ruth doesn't have any question to ask. Yes, Stephen. Should it?
2: Yes, I joined late, but uh, one thing that you said that struck me was about the authority like dealing with the principalities and all those authorities, meaning the authorities that we even have in our nation, mm-hmm. they could be a force that is backing them. Okay. It's not just the normal human interference that we usually see during our campaign elections and all those. They are powers that are behind them. Okay. So, meaning when we are dealing with issues in our life, we also need to deal with people that are dictating policies that are governed within our community, okay. within yeah. our religious sector, and all those things. It is very, very profound. I don't mm. know, but it just hits me that you know, authorities are the main factors. Okay, we so, have, we have, we have, we have been thinking about uh, witchcraft and all those these things. We don't see them, but these authorities, we see them. Mm. They are too real mm. than than what we are even fighting against. I mean, you can't take a cane, a cane, and lash or a whip to a witch or a wizard, no, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. But this authority that you can see, so it, it makes you get your standing on your ground very, very right and know where you are targeting. To. If it okay. hits the authority, it will disarm dis- all those people that are behind the authority. That's mm-hmm. one thing that hits me. Okay. So okay. Th- thank you, Theo, for, for for that. Okay, so you get the analogy, Stephen,
0: has um, brought to the fore. The analogy is that for everything that is, is manifested, there is an influence behind it. So you talk about the politicians and some of these powers that we describe. The Bible in the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. Let me just read that uh, for you, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And so listen to it, the verse 20 and um, 21. It says, "Which speaking of the power of God, so which worked, in, which worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. There are all kinds of dimensions of of this reality mentioned in Colossians chapter 2. There are all kinds of dimensions to it. And And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So, um, when you look at politicians, there are particular demons that controls lawyers. If they do not give their life to Jesus Christ, these demons will influence them. There are particular demons that controls industry, certain spheres of humanity, are Greek and all. Those are powers that are assigned to influence and corrupt. And rightly said, deal with the root. Deal with the root, and all the fruits will be gone, and the leaves will be gone, and the tree will dry up. Deal with the principality, the throne, the dominion, and the rulership, and every other thing will fall apart. So um, in our dealings, even in in, um, um, looking for opportunities, sometimes you just have to go to the root. When you hit the root and a single command is released, nobody else can stop it. I had a daughter who was living anyhow. Um, I'm talking about in Christ. She, she is a foreigner. So she was living anyhow. I went uh, in one of my travels when I ministered, and I saw her. Somebody, somebody walked to me and brought her and said, take this girl, pray for her, and take her as your own. And look after her. She needs help. So she came And when you look at her with with my (laughs) prophetic eyes, she was full of the world. She she so loved the world and enjoyed the world. I prayed for her. And when I came back to Ghana, I called her on the phone and found out how she was doing. She has never had any man of God relate to her that way. And so she became happy. She felt accepted. And she started growing the things of God. And I got her praying. She started having all kinds of dreams. She wanted to go to America badly. She wanted to travel to America badly. And they denied her upon passport and everything they denied her. In the long run, you know what happened. There was a program by the United States that she was enrolled on. And then they wrote from the United States to the embassy of her homeland that grant this one visa to come to America and blah, 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 blah. So the counselor um, later, the counselor became a friend. The counselor told her, said, Look, I gave you the visa because um, the person who issued the command is far beyond me and is the president of the United States. Go to the root. Go to the root, and you'll be fine. Thank you. Thank you. Any more comments? Any more ideas? Any more feedback? Our heritage is very rich. If there are no comments, we want to pray. We want to pray a couple of prayers, very short, and then we close. We want to pray a couple of prayers, very short, and we close. And the first thing we want to pray is that we want to ask God for kingdom training schools to be best everywhere across the nations of the earth. And I want to encourage you that you can start a kingdom training school. After after this course, you can start this training. You can can start teaching people. You can organize your own Zoom classes. You are free to go. There is no um, restrictions on this. You have been through it. You've heard it. You have the audios. You can go back to listen again and allow the amplification of the Holy Spirit to happen in your heart expand and grow upon these things. So we want to pray that kingdom training schools will rise everywhere. And we want to pray that a willingness of humanity to come and learn. In fact, after these training schools maybe I'll relax for a month. Um, November is here, so January, February probably there will be school. And then it will be on and on and on and on. So we're going to open registrations and offer people to participate in this school. And there are more programs and courses. So we are praying twofold. God, let Kingdoms Training Schools be raised everywhere. And let the heart of men be stepped towards the kingdom to come learn the ways of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord God Almighty, we pray that everywhere across the nations of the earth, across the United States, I use my brothers in the United States, my sisters in Ghana and brothers in Ghana, um, our dear sister in Nigeria. Lord, we ask that your power will reach out to everybody, every every aspect of humanity. Lord, let kingdom training centers and schools be raised everywhere. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stir up the heart of men and women to come into the kingdom. Stir up the heart of men and women to come find a kingdom. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that there'll be fresh mandate, a stirring and a hunger and the spreading out and the growth and development taking place in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now you want to pray for yourself and you want to pray for your brother. No, let me do it this way, pray for your brother, pray for your sister, mention names and tell god let my brother grow in this kingdom revelation the revelation of the kingdom and of his christ let my brother my sister grow in it let this message of the kingdom become real to my friend and my sister and my brother come on lift your voice let's pray father we pray in the name of jesus now that you begin to touch my friend you begin to touch my brother i pray for two i pray for albert i pray for ken i pray for martin i pray for Stephen, I pray for Prince, I pray, Lord, for Ruth, I pray for Grace. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, let there be the release of your power, O God. Let there be release of your power, O God. Let there be the release of your power, O God. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelational knowledge to envelop your people. In the name of Jesus that your people will begin to come into the true essence of the kingdom, the revelation of the kingdom and of his Christ, that we will walk in the power thereof, we'll walk in the mandate, we'll walk in the grace, we'll walk in the enablement of the kingdom. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we give you praise, O oh God. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now we want to pray lastly. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You want to pray, Father, that my provision is in the kingdom. My shelter is in the kingdom. My provision and shelter is in the kingdom. My relationships are found when I discover the kingdom. I discover my true self when I discover the kingdom. Right now, let there be release of provision, release of finances, and in, and break all all those limitations that the enemy has placed in your world, and cause a mighty release to happen to you. Let's open our mouth. Open, open our mouths and begin to pray. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. Let there be the release of provision, of rent, of accommodation, of school fees, of scholarship, of food, oh God, of business, of ideas, of protection. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, we pray that, Lord, Powerful grace of yours that speaks to the discovery of the kingdom and, and the release. Libroho zati gibahadas, radose zekete de debes, moho palakudi zako prehezi, radako di gabadagaski, mokaleke dozeke mahados, randaba zokoto dedekete. mazigi mazigidigado prekados. Losi prandaraba, siketede, Mogadaraba, Zigebro carelebe, Rondadaba, Zuki bracate de debe, Legoda zika dodo dobo, shake teke, Randadaba, Zuke bracatonadaba, Rondobo zeke tedebe, cabadaba, Lozeke bracadadadaba, Sugi digabat, Ron tedebe, shokatanaba, Luci cabracado digi gado. Roke teke teka barakato do man do 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 dobo sheke brakada rando zike do 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 dobo kabaraba rodo do do ba ayad do 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 zoko do 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 dobo zike and alada zoko do 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 dobo rando Alaba zoko do do zekete de debe Aranda la la zekete debe Aranda la 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 zoko Aranda la 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 rakaba Dorobo, zekete de debe Aranda la la zekete debe Aranda do zekete debe Aranda do 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 zoko do do Aranda la zekete debe Alanda la zoko to do Rondo, lo bos, lo bos, la musica to broco de, baro, se que, Kobe Ziki la baco baroco, la poze bro bo bo bo, adra da da ba shudidibid kato, leco cra ziketeke, we exert push back power and we command manifestation of the kingdom through us, oh God, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor, we exalt you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen, thank you, Jesus, Amen. God bless you, friends. We want to call it um, a good night, a good afternoon, a good morning, wherever you are. And we want to reconvene. God bless you to you. God bless you. We want to reconvene um, next Sunday. Friday, we're going to continue our. Yes, so we are looking at our purpose reinstated. Let's turn our um, Bibles to those scriptures and we're going to read them all. We're going to read them all because we are setting the foundation for the conversation tonight. We're going to read them all. Matthew chapter 5, the verse 5. Our purpose reinstated. Why did God put put man here on the earth? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Major, major purpose for us. Blessed is the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, the verse 18 through 19. Matthew chapter 16, the verse 18 through 19. And... I also said to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I give you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens that is original translation that is that is a proper manuscript not the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on the earth will be loose in heaven. Just like we have prayed for Tracy, we prayed for Anderson. What we have done essentially is to legislate. Bind does not, does not mean to start with, I'm binding a demon, I'm tying, tying up a demon. But it means to legislate, to make a decree, to pass a law. So whatsoever we have passed a law, um, over, whatever law we pass over a matter that essentially is our purpose. It's our purpose is to rule, is to govern. Matthew chapter 28, the verse 18 through 19. Matthew 28, the verse 18 through 19. And these these references are powerful. The meek will inherit the earth. He has given us authority of the king, of access to the keys of the kingdom of heaven access to the treasures of knowledge and wisdom and counsel that we must make to pass in the earth. The verses 18 and 19 of Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, all what? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. All, there is nothing left out. And you have to believe God and take it as God says It's All authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, or go therefore, and make disciples of the nations. Go therefore, out of that position of all authority and power and dominion and rulership and counsel and wisdom, having been given to me, Christ, go in that same power and go and colonize the earth. Make disciples, baptize them, um, um, indoctrinate them, initiate them into my name, the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let's read Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And you'll notice that our responsibility is not enormous. As far as God is concerned, it's never, never enormous. Our responsibility, verse 15 down to 18. And he said to them, go into the world. He didn't say sit side by side. With the world. So I've done this series, um, uh, and I'm sure many of you were were in there when I talked about the kingdom is here. And we've looked at this scripture into detail, so I don't want to so much dwell on them, but to read them into your hearing and read them over you. Because Revelation chapter 1, I think the verse 6 says that both he who reads and he that hears are blessed. So once again, and it said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized, is initiated, will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall do do no, no harm to them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So it continues on and on and on and on. This is our purpose reinstated, and we want to, we want to move in that power. We want to move in that power. So let's look at it. Um, restoration of the kingdom. Restoration of the kingdom. If we say the restoration of the kingdom, we are dealing with the fact that God is actualizing, making visible, making manifest, making available to us, and allowing us to gain access to every aspect of the kingdom and to function in it and to make it evident in the earth. That is what will be described as the restoration of the kingdom. So um, from that time, Jesus came to preach. And he say, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at, is at hand, or is near or is imminent." All those three are exactly what it is. Restoration of the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is our purpose for living that God will give us the kingdom and that we will reign and rule with him and for him. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there are, uh, are some of you who stand here, some of them, some of them that stand here, which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with power, not just with any ordinary entrance, by evidence with power. Matthew chapter 16. Okay so let me mention that scripture maybe you are not seeing it well. Mark chapter 9 the verse 1. And I say and I and he said unto them verily I say unto you that there are some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And some of you Some of us, we shall not taste death until we see the manifestation and the evidencing of the kingdom. And so we proclaim that over Tracy. We proclaim that over Anderson. We proclaim that over you. We proclaim that over everybody because you shall not see death until you have seen the kingdom of God fulfilled and manifested in the earth. This is covenant promise. Lay hold of it. Mark chapter 9, the verse 1. Grab it, walk in it. I shall not die until I see my purpose as the kingdom of God come with power and authority and dominion and fullness. That is what Jesus has promised us. We proclaim it in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus and the and in my life, amen of Jesus and amen. That is it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 28. Assuredly I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Ah, I love that. He didn't even say the son of God, but he said what? The son of man coming in his kingdom, which evidences the fact, which buttresses the point, which validates the point that fulfillment of the kingdom or the kingdom age begins with, within the context of man, the son of man, not the son of God, angels. We continue. Luke chapter 9, verse 27. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come. Till they see the kingdom of God. Let's continue. The kingdom. And grace, Let's talk about the issue of the kingdom and grace. Let's talk about the issue. And I've done some teaching on the kingdom and grace on, on Facebook, which goes beyond this notes anyway. The kingdom and grace. The Bible says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Let us have grace. So let me make one or two comments on this. Let us have grace. The kingdom of God or receptivity of the kingdom of God is intricately linked to, sorry, receptivity of grace is intricately linked to receptivity of a kingdom. There is grace that is meant for kingdom living. And so he says, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. And then if, if you read further, that we may serve God with reverence and godly fear. It is called kingdom living. So to be able to manifest the kingdom, it requires a certain type of grace. And if you position yourself to receive that grace, God, position yourself to receive the kingdom, God supplies this grace to you. So check my Facebook. I think I did about four, four Sundays or three Sundays on that where I talk about, the kingdom of God, sorry, grace, grace is empowerment for kingdom living. You have much more to catch on that. Why God wouldn't pour out his spirit? Why God wouldn't pour out his spirit? Because many are still expecting, oh, Lord, pour out your spirit. Why God will not pour out his spirit? The point is that the Holy Spirit has come to administer the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is here he is here and we are, it's not saying that god would, cannot send out a manifestation and glory and a movement and or a sweeping movement and all but we need to essentially begin to live in the power of the available glory the holy spirit is right here in the earth now and is the most important person that has been who lives on the earth today it is no president it is no king it is no preacher it is no pastor but it is the one and only powerful Holy Spirit of God. One and only powerful Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has come to administrate. So kingdom is the country. Kingdom is therefore the country. Grace is the system of governing. Now, now there's another perspective to this matter. We, um, in an environment of religion, there are a lot of punitive, plural kind of leadership and all. Where you commit one sin, they throw you on a black bench. Where they ostracize you, like I was saying this in the church, is the organization that kills its people more than any other organization. We will ostracize, we will kill, and we will destroy. We kill our wounded soldiers. But the system, the governance system inside the kingdom is called grace. It's not the law. It's called grace. It's not the law. It does not also mean that it gives us license to sin, but because you understand the nature of grace as being that benevolence of God that empowers us, to live for God the way we are supposed to live as the kingdom defines. And so the kingdom is the country. The system that runs it is a system of grace. That is why the sinner can run back to God. That is why the most weird person can come back to him. Because grace is available to receive you in and empower you and change your ordinariness and your weak person to become a powerful person that lives inside the kingdom and exhibits all the characteristics of the kingdom. Let's look at the difference between a good Christian and a good, um, and sorry, and a kingdom citizen. A good Christian and a kingdom citizen. A good Christian, number one, says, I am saved. A good Christian is one who is getting saved and is going to heaven. Uh, and most importantly, that is his goal in life, going to heaven. That is what good Christians are. But kingdom citizen or a kingdom, a kingdom person is, is um, living as a child of God to make a difference on this earth for him in most import, is the most important goal for life we are not rushing to live here for heaven. Heaven is good. Heaven has a lot of great things. But if you go to heaven right now, you will go and be waiting for us, even though you'll be enjoying and be worshipping and be relieved from all of these earth troubles and trauma and problems. But what will happen is that you'll be waiting because the meek shall inherit the earth. And the kingdom under the earth was given to who? The saints of our Lord and our Christ. So... And the kingdoms of this earth has become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ. So, kingdom citizens are framed a bit differently. They operate with a different framework in their thinking. Um, the spectrum that informs their action, upon which their action is hinged, is that I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to rule for God. But the good Christian says. I'm on my way to heaven. Christians, Christians live singing that we don't belong here. When we all get to heaven, oh, this world is not my home. You know those songs? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Da-da-da-da, something like that. Um, when we all get to heaven, what a glory it shall be. That 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 nice and beautiful songs. But you see, we have been raised to begin to think about the earth as a place that imprisons us and that fights us and that we are just definitely we are passing through. But we are here to make impact and then to receive this earth as an inheritance. We are here to colonize the earth. You are not a Ghanaian. You are not an American. You are not a British. You are not a Canadian, you are not a German, you are a citizen of heaven sent into the earth for the purposes of colonization. Let me explain something about Ecclesia to you. Let me just use this to explain something about Ecclesia to you as I read the second point. A kingdom citizen lives like their daddy owns the planet. A kingdom citizen lives like their daddy owns the planet. Now let me quickly explain something about Ecclesia. Ecclesia um, is the Greek word that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 16 when he said, I will build my church. That, he didn't ever use the word church. That word church comes from old Anglo-Saxon, a German Anglo-Saxon. And it, it comes from two words, circus and kek, kek and circus. Kek and circus. Circus means going round. Uh, kek is playfulness and fun. So it is like going round, round, round in circles and having fun. And the translators could not comprehend or for some level of wickedness and that the King James family wanted to keep their throne and feel important. And as the best humanity, human beings on the earth, they allow for these pulverized, weak, sloppy translations to be brought in. And that is the human factor that impacted those uh, some of those scriptures when jesus used the word ecclesia one of the examples from the culture of the roman empire was that when they send their best of the military to go and conquer a territory which which now becomes a colony of roman empire they will now pick specialized people with specialized knowledge skilled well-trained men of repute, men of honor within the Roman Empire, the society of the Roman Empire, men who, um, um, in several ways, have conquered the people through their knowledge and the achievements in society. And these are families, individuals, high-level military generals, and it will take 300 of them and they will send them into that enemy territory that has been conquered, which is now a Roman Empire um, uh, territory, a colony of a Roman Empire. And what was expected of them is that they go in there to teach them how to talk like the Romans, behave like the Romans, dress like the Romans, eat like the Romans, and teach them the law, most importantly, the law of the Roman Empire and make them subservient and to pay tribute to the empire. God did not send us here into the earth. When Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, Jesus was essentially saying that I'm sending my special 300 forces of humanity into and Mark and Gilda and everybody into the earth system and let them go and train the earth how to eat, behave, dress, walk, You know, like the Roman Empire. Most importantly, they should learn the laws of the kingdom. So have you read that the law will go out of Zion? That the decree of the Lord will come out of Jerusalem and the law of God will go out of Zion? That is the place. It is that God has established the church or Jesus sought to establish a church That will become a beacon of hope in the midst of this darkness and lawlessness and confusion, utter confusion that has characterized our society, so that the nations will begin to learn the laws of God. Let me go further and explain some more. Let me go further and explain some more. What was God doing or Jesus doing when he brought us here? He brought us here to be citizens of the kingdom, and live as though our Father owns the planet. And indeed, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, the verse 1. And all that dwells within it. A cattle on 10,000 hills, they are mine. Psalm fifty. There is nothing that no president, no nation, no sovereign government owns by their own. I mean, God can just snuff life out of them and they are gone. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Who is a good Christian? A good Christian pays his tithes and gives alms. That is all. They behave like the Muslim. They behave like the Buddhist. They give, 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 give. And they are nice people in society. But a kingdom citizen creates wealth for kingdom purposes. Creates wealth. There's something called kingdom economics. And it starts with acknowledging that there is nothing that you have that belongs to you. Do you know that there's a difference between a Christian business? Sorry, there's a difference between a kingdom business and a Christian business or a Christian owning a business. There's a difference between that. A kingdom business differs in terms of principle and operations to the laws of the kingdom. A Christian business is a Christian who is possessing a business. And therefore, if I have a business, I must understand that it is not just for my comfort that I make money. It is not just for my comfort that I have the opportunities that I have in society. And I have the job, and I have the education, and the exposure, and the relationships that I have. God ultimately wants to release wealth, and so He has given you an idea. It is not because we are so special; God has given us an idea, and we may have business conglomerate. So it is time for Christians to begin to think about wealth differently. If we we, we compose ourselves properly, if we we constitute ourselves properly, if um. Um, um, we sit properly, we would, we would find that God will begin to release all manner of ideas to us because He wants to prosper us so that we can advance the kingdom. Like I keep saying, there are a lot of young men who are endowed and God has gifted and they have stuff of the kingdom, but they are going nowhere. The poor man's wisdom, the poor man's wisdom amounts to nothing, even though he saves the city. The poor man's wisdom amounts to nothing. So um, we have to begin to think a bit more differently about. So you, people just give tights and they give arms. But we need to go into wealth creation. God empower you. God give you ideas. God bless your business. I use, I use Grace's business as, as a, point, a, a point of contact. And I use Gilder's business as a point of contact. I say let the hand of God come upon your business and come upon your head and all everybody connected that you shall begin to receive a renewal concerning wealth creation and that God will entrust you for wealth for, for the purposes of advancing the kingdom. Let there be resurrection life in your businesses. Let there be opportunities created. Let God give you relationships that you need to work in this thing powerfully. I break every spirit of fear. And every spirit of discouragement over your lives in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I release the spirit of boldness. Go out there and succeed in the power of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. So, a Christian, who the difference between a good Christian and a kingdom citizen. Christians live to study and find a job to make a living. Christians, they just live, they study in school, and they just find a job for a living. But I tell you something, yeah? I tell you something. Listen to me well. You are not in school. You are not learning that trade so that you find a job to make a living. Because to make a living inside a kingdom, in fact, nobody is supposed to be poor inside a kingdom. Nobody is supposed to lack inside a kingdom. Look, God designed the Jewish society in the manner that nobody was supposed to be poor. God designed the Jewish society in the manner that nobody was supposed to be hungry. So he gave them laws, the laws of the Jubilee and all, the laws that concerning... I, I, I'm, I'm actually writing some few things the laws of the kingdom, and one of the laws of the kingdom does not impoverish us. It doesn't, it doesn't take 5,000 people to, 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 to make one person rich, and it stays at the top, and people are still impoverished. Did you read in the book of Acts that at the very onset of the church that there was none that lacked? There was none that lacked anything among them. God never designed the kingdom to be a system of property and where we just we just live from hand to mouth. That thing must be broken in our understanding and must be broken in our work, so that it becomes, it becomes a reality for us that we don't live just for, 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 for living. We work and study, and we find a job. But inside the kingdom, we study for function. Inside the kingdom, we we discover our purpose, we discover our callings, we discover our gifts, and we fulfill it. That is another course that prepare yourself. After, um, after Christmas, we come back in January, February. Come and do that course as well. Purpose, calling, and gifts is the thing. You have to find out why you are living and that your, your career in terms of, What you studied in school, the trade you learn, becomes subservient to purpose, and you are released for function. God never designed, I was saying, making a point, God never designed a society of the Jewish people for anyone to be poor. In that, he placed in that society that when you harvest, you shall not harvest all. You cut down the farm, you allow the poor to walk through your farm and pick some foods nobody was supposed to be poor inside the kingdom seeking first the kingdom of god look at that scripture and look at the context carefully he said the best of the air they don't sow nor reap how much more you so you realize that living is not supposed to by sowing and reaping living is supposed to be by discovering the kingdom And as you begin to live inside the kingdom and actualize its principles, not just lingo, God says that all these things, the clothing, the food, the comfort, all those things are added to you. They are added benefits. In the kingdom, we discover purpose, callings, and gifts, and we fulfill these things. Good Christian is one who lives to be good and faithful member of a church. Kingdom citizens live to execute the will of their Heavenly Father. Let me add another layer to it. Do you know that you can be a citizen and a member of the kingdom and a follower of Jesus Christ without being a part of organized religion and organized, organized church? Do you know? I can begin to give you several examples in the Bible. Do you know that you can become? Do you know it is possible to be a citizen of the kingdom and a follower of Jesus Christ without being a part of organized religion? Organized religion. So, kingdom citizens, they live to execute the will of God and not necessarily promoting their church, their denominational structures, their denominational architecture. They are brands and all. They live to promote the Father's will. And no other thing appeals to them apart from this. Multitudes are in the valley of decision. And they are trapped in some prison houses. Sorry for my language. Church. They are trapped in churches. They can't see their destinies release. They can't go anywhere. They can't function. Pastors say, this is my church member. Who told you you own a church? Who told you is your church member? You don't have any church member. Jesus said, all these who have learned of the Father, they come to me. If you've been taught by the Father, you go to Jesus Christ. So the people come in. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 16, it says that other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will be under one shepherd, they will be in one fold, and they will hear one voice. And he's not referring to, you remember in context of chapter 10 of of John, he's referring to himself as a good shepherd, no man, human being shepherd. You have no church member. If we begin to live like this and relate to our church members, uh, 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 sorry, in that context, church members, the people we call church members, come on, you are free. You are free. Some pastors will tell you you cannot go, you cannot leave this church. You cannot leave this church. If you leave this church, you will die. Those demons of the organization continue to frustrate the people. Put some sicknesses and diseases and torments upon the people when they leave. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth right now. If you have moved from a certain organization and the demons of that organization are still pursuing you, I warn and rebuke that demon by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear the word of the Lord. That that person who is listening does not belong to your fold. He belongs to the fold of Christ. Therefore, we command liberty and freedom and every disease and burden and emptying of their finances that you have placed upon them. We take authority in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We say restore all now by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let me continue to teach. Good Christian, believe that your primary purpose for living is to sing and worship. (laughs) You know, this live broadcast, somebody told me, that Pastor, you know something? You have to handle the live broadcast like a church service. Get people to come to your home and they come and sing and they play the organ and they dance before you preach. I said, well, thank you very much. I have no time for that. I have no time for that. I just want to get on between eight o'clock and nine o'clock. I just want to get on board and teach for thirty minutes, and I'm gone. We, are, we 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 see the kingdom of God is not an add-on. The kingdom of God does not operate by hybrid. You know what a hybrid is? You know mongrel beings. Have you seen those things they call mongrel? Like uh, uh, there's there's what is called pedigree, a pure breed. A pure breed is like. Um, uh, I've forgotten the names of the dogs already. They just, they just, they just left my mind. <laughs> a particular a breed of a dog. When you take a particular breed, let's say you take two breeds and you mix them together, you produce a mongrel breed. They are mixed breed. And we believers, we are not supposed to build systems that are like mongrel, hybrid, add-on if jesus says my kingdom you pray that your kingdom come what is essentially say that your kingdom to must go your kingdom from heaven come then my kingdom must go so we are not here to just sing worship and sing nice songs and walk away some pastors cannot cannot preach if they never sang a song many believers cannot function if they walk into the auditorium and they say sit down good morning everybody um, turn your Bibles and teachings begins without any prayer, they will be confused and they'll be angry and they'll feel that they didn't touch God on that day. All those religious demons must be broken off our minds. We must live freely and function. I keep saying that sometimes uh, this crazy thing happens to preachers. The Immediately they hold the microphone, their voice changes. And I ask, Is that the way you talk to your wife at home? You hold the microphone and your wife changes. And Jesus, uh, what has happened to you? Is that the way you talk to your wife and children at home? You don't do that. You are schizophrenic. You are suffering from schizophrenia. Double, duplistic, something is worrying you. We need to just be free. Just like I'm talking right now, I'm just talking free. And, And if I have to tease, I just go off and begin to tease as normal. And whether we prayed or not, God will still move. Kingdom citizens' primary purpose is to see God's will done on the earth. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth. Let me go further. Let me go further. Good Christians, they live to see another miracle. Miracle seekers, miracle chasing, miracle, miracle chasing. It's not evil to be conscious of miracle because that is one of the things that prove our Christianity. But you see, you see, when people are made to become miracle-dependent, they are made wasted, they are made useless, they are made lazy, they are made non-functional. It is like unplugging their brains. Kingdom citizens, they live to study and learn God's ways that must be released to impact the earth. So you can realize that, you realize that um, at some point, years past, there was purely no brain function in church. We immediately begin to display brain function and you teach. Even to now, people, have, people still have issues with the way I teach. People have serious issues, even from church. People still have serious issues. They feel I should preach and say, hallelujah. Ha. Come on, I cannot do that. I just want to talk and go. We study the ways of God and we reveal it in the earth. That is what we are supposed to be doing kingdom people. It's not just seeking for miracle. And you look at the miracle. It says that seeking first the kingdom of God, all this miracle will begin to chase after you. Look at it. says anybody that became born again, it says that these signs shall follow them. Why should we be seeking it? We must be conscious of it, but not seeking and pursuing it. We must be conscious. It says this miracle, these signs will follow you who believe. So the miracles, the signs and wonders, they are supposed to be normal around you and I until we begin to live but he says that go into the world as we, we begin to live by the ways of God inside the world not by the side of God swallowed up by the world or become become an ash an ash of what used to be come on the miracles are released and we walk in it let's go further for christians sunday morning is the most spiritual time it's another schizophrenia the kingdom, remember I said the kingdom is not something you take up Sunday morning and you drop. When I was talking about the kingdom is here in defining the kingdom. It's not something you take up Sunday morning and you drop. And that is the way some men of God begin to treat the call of God upon their life, the ecclesis upon their life. That eternal ecclesis upon their life, that call. That call, if it's indeed a call from God, that call is attached to you 24-7 and it's deep inside your bone marrow. That call is who you are, it's what you breathe, what you drink, what you live. And that is the way kingdom citizens live. For a kingdom citizen every day is a spiritual day. This is the day the Lord has made and will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made and we rejoice in it. So when you're going to the market is the day of the Lord and the kingdom is with me. You go to your office, is the day of the Lord and the kingdom is with you. You are are swimming in the swimming pool and doing backstrokes. The kingdom is still with you. You're having a good time with your wife. The kingdom is still not gone, it's still with you. In some churches, you had a good time with your wife. In fact, Saturdays, no man in that church should have a good time with the wife before coming to church. They have polluted the Holy Ghost. What kind of Holy Ghost do they have? This is the day of the Lord. As I'm teaching right now, if any of my children walk in here and it's real concern, I can pause and attend to them. And the Spirit of God is never angry. You can interject me and ask a question. And the Spirit of God is never angry. But interrupt somebody right now. It says that, hey, you have stopped my flow and anointing. Good Christians, they live to feel the presence of God. I can feel the presence of God now. Kingdom citizens, they carry it and release it. They carry and release the presence of God wherever they go. Can I give you a picture? Noah, when the ark had landed on Mount Ararat, the Bible says that, and Noah, Noah, in fact, before even then, Noah, Noah sent the dove out and the dove went and came back to him. And you remember the symbolism, you know the symbolism of the dove. Then Noah, comes at the end, he releases a dab, the dab goes and never comes back. That is the presence of God coming from him. So Jesus says that any house that you go unto, if they receive you, you shall say, my peace, your peace be upon this house. It didn't require you to have gone to pray in tongues before you come back and say, my peace be upon this house. Christians live to feel the presence of God. Kingdom citizens, they carry it, they release it wherever. I call something, I have a teaching, which I wrote way back in 1996 or 1997. I call it dominion by presence. You see, Jesus Christ go to place and the demons say, well, have you come here to destroy us before our time? Dominion by presence. You carry it, you carry God, you reveal God wherever you go to. You may not need to say, come out, but the demons are trembling. And they are screaming and saying, we really want to go out before you say it. Kingdom citizens versus good Christians. Good Christians, they love their own kind. Kingdom citizens love everyone. Kingdom citizens can relate to the Muslim, the Buddhist. Look, recently I attended a training and I've been expecting for them to write back to me. I don't know if they discovered that I'm a preacher. And so they they, they decided to cut me off. (laughs) And um, the guy is undertaking knowledge philanthropy. I found it to be one of the uh, laudable ideas. We are already practicing knowledge philanthropy because we already teach and share what we have. But this guy is a leadership guy. He's won award, a particular award consistently for 80 years. He's a top, top, top notch guy in the world. He's pursued and chased about the, uh, chase, chase, chase everywhere by the big firms all over the nations of the earth. And this guy is doing something where he's sharing everything he has known, he has discovered, he has written. He's giving out his knowledge for free. What a wonderful thing. He's giving out his knowledge for, for free. And you know something? He says that go to his website and take anything from his website and modify it to suit you. If you like, you can give him the credit. If you don't want to give him the credit too, he is fine. You keep it all to yourself. Can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine that? It says, keep it to yourself. And he said, if you like, you can add my name to, to your book that you have written. And and you can, you can just add my name so that I can, I can give you a leverage and a mileage. What? A Buddhist? And at the end of the conversation, he said he's a Buddhist. I wondered how many preachers would do this. He said, this is my own knowledge. I wrote this book 20 years ago and five years ago, and this, and that, and that, and that, and that. Let's look at why the gospel of the kingdom is the most important liberating message. The gospel of the kingdom is the most important liberating message. The kingdom message is God's ultimate solution to human human problem. And let me add, it is not just human problem, but the kingdom is the antidote to religion and to every system that is within the realm of creation. The kingdom is the solution to heaven. Everything that heaven is, is the kingdom. The kingdom is a solution to the ozone layer. If we begin to find kingdom principle and proper ways of living, the ozone will be healed. When COVID came and the Earth took a break and a walk from man, you notice that the scientists said the ozone layers are beginning to heal. And even for the very first time for thousands of years, Scientists say that they can begin to hear the sound of the earth crust, which they have never heard before. Animals, wild animals began to come into city, when men went into hiding, it was like the year of the rats. Everybody went hiding and all. Look, the kingdom is the solution, is the antidote to all the foolishness that we see in our society, all the madness that we see in our society, all the religious practices a lot of madness that are hinged on steroids. You see a lot of religion built on complete foolish steroids. And people begin to do all, all manner of things. How can educated people, was it this morning I was saying it on the broadcast, how can somebody who is educated join a church and do silly things? The kingdom is a solution because it liberates you and gives you freedom and gives you confidence. To be you and not shivering in front of your pastor. No, you respect your pastor, you honor him, but you're not shivering before him inside the kingdom. How do we seek God's kingdom? We seek God's kingdom through prayer. Lord, reveal your kingdom to me. Lord, teach me about your kingdom. Lord, show me your kingdom. How do we seek the kingdom? We seek it through study. You study it. If you don't know it, if you're a preacher, you don't know it. Get somebody who is evidently working in not just lingo. Let the person teach you. Let the person share his knowledge with you. Share his experience with you. Perhaps God could allow for an impartation. That will begin to carry you and you begin to enter into your own discovery. Seek it like a treasure hidden in the field. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field of which a woman, or a woman discovers and he sells everything to buy the field. Buy the field and sell it not. How do you seek the kingdom of God? Follow the calling of God that is upon your life because nobody else is as unique as you are. I cannot be you, therefore I cannot compete with you. If you become, um, uh, you become somebody who has discovered a kingdom and you are teaching it, I'll be very happy to see you all start a kingdom training school wherever you are gather people and teach them. And we will equip you and resource you to do this. I'll be very happy. Very happy to share with you that which I have. Ha! <sighs> How do you seek the kingdom? You seek it by following the call of God upon your life. Today, a lot of young men have been blinkered and they are lost. And they are caught up in all kinds of voodoo. Look at this pastor who shot the, the wife. Look at the revelations that are coming out. That there was even a time he came back from an occultic meeting and there was blood on his forehead. Oh, God. And I wonder how some preachers are claiming ownership and a sense of entitlement to relationship with them. And I wonder how come it is only you who who is always connected to this occultic voice. Hey, come on. The kingdom is the solution all this madness in our society. Tapping kingdom kingdom resources. How do we tap kingdom resources? The vision of God, the vision God gave you and your ability to articulate it in faith. Sorry. The vision God gave you and your ability to articulate it in faith is the channel by which you can connect supernatural kingdom resources. What does it mean? Genesis chapter one, and God said, and God said, and God said, the vision God has given you and your ability to articulate it in faith is the channel through which the kingdom resources are beginning to be released. So I cannot be poor. I command and I release divine resources for the vision that God has given me. I release divine partners. I release them from the north, south, and east. I command that this. you speak things, you pronounce things, you proclaim things, and that is the way the kingdom operates. That is the way the kingdom operates. So let's talk briefly about entering the kingdom of God. There is um, another teaching, the third teaching, the third pro- course, which is, which is about five weeks. Which is about five weeks. And um, uh, purpose, the rediscovering purpose, discovering purpose, calling, and gift is also for about five weeks. That third course uh, speaks of seeking entering and manifesting the kingdom. So these are all things that you plan and you have to do and equip yourself. Entering the kingdom of God. According to Jesus, when you are born again, you will see the kingdom of God. The next thing is to enter into that kingdom and function in it. The next thing is to enter into that kingdom and function in it. And if you look at my teaching on grace back again on Facebook, you would appreciate, you would appreciate um, certain principles. I talk about the fact that entrance into the kingdom is not at the point of maturity, at the point of experience, at the point of having here long ago. And I think about four principles. So I talk about, I talk about from life to death, that we need to die to ourselves from, from maturity to being a child, and all principles there. Those are some principles that will guide you to seek and enter into the kingdom and manifest it. Let's look at seven entrances to the kingdom of God. Seven entrances into the kingdom of God. Seven entrances to the kingdom of God. One, the source of our righteousness. The source of our righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of God. So how do I enter into the kingdom as I begin to seek the righteousness of God? And can I give you another research again? I think I said this before. Let me say it again. All of you do well to research this. Research about, research about righteousness. What does it mean? Research about righteousness. What does it mean? It's very deep. It's more than just sanctimonious piety and all of that. It speaks of even the system of judgment. If we begin to leave the righteousness of God as empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are beginning to have entrance and access to the kingdom of God. Number two, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Um, one will not work without the other. Do you see that? One will not work without the other. So the seeking must, it must be intertwined with righteousness righteousness. Um, the Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So we hunger for it, we thirst for it, we pursue it, we seek it, we search it out. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness, to everyone who believes. Christ is the end, is the abolition of the law. He put it to death and buried it. And... In him is the resurrection of righteousness for anyone who believes. If any man be in Christ, this is your portion. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 14. That's one of the characteristics of the kingdom. But when you flip it in terms of having entrance to the kingdom, you talk about righteousness, that is it. That is it. Let's go further. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Come on, friends. Entrance into the kingdom does not require some rituals. Like some of these preachers will say, you have to give these thousand dollars before the no 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 no, it is by righteousness. You believe in your heart, you confess it, you are dead. Boom. It is by righteousness. So Second Corinthians chapter five twenty one. Let's go further. But of him whom sorry of him you are in Christ. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption that as it is written, we who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He is our sanctification, righteousness, and he is the wisdom of God. He is our redemption. Okay, so let's talk about knowing and doing the will of God. Let's talk about knowing and doing the will. Maybe we may end on that note, and then next week, we, we see if we can finish next week, or we finish next two weeks. Um, Knowing and doing the will of God. Knowing and doing the will of God. Matthew chapter 7, the verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of God. So that is, Another way of entering into the kingdom to enter into the kingdom. So, for example, you heard me say something, okay? The kingdom is not church, it's not religion. The kingdom is bigger. Hear me well. You heard me say that it is possible to be an, a member of the kingdom of God and a follower of Jesus Christ without being a part of organized religion. Now, did you see somebody like Rahab, a hidden woman? who became a porter for the saving of the children of Israel. And if you read the book of Hebrews, it says that her, her, conduct, her conduct was counted for us as righteousness. I don't know if you've seen it in Hebrew. But if you go back to read the book of um, Joshua, you will see that Rahab lied. But the Bible says that she is a righteous woman. There is a way to be in, in this kingdom. It is bigger than you. If you sit back, you begin to ask yourself, you see a Buddhist who is doing knowledge philanthropy, and you begin to ask yourself, how does the kingdom really express itself? How? How? If you go, and look, go back and look at the book of Daniel carefully and begin to think clearly about how the kingdom expresses itself, go back go back, go back and see um, somebody like Hiram in the Bible. He was a friend of David, and Hiram was one of the people that contributed to building the temple. Oh, my God. I'm not saying these people are going to hell or heaven, but I'm first of all talking about living inside the kingdom. Salvation is a different matter. These people will say, Lord, Lord, Lord. But Jesus says, it is he that does the will of my father. Look at somebody like Cyrus, a hidden king. God said that even though you did not know me, I chose you. How does the kingdom express itself? Let's talk about three kinds of the will of God. Let's talk about three kinds of the will of God. The revealed will of God, which we see in the word of God. Specific will of God, which is your assignment inside the kingdom. Eternal will of God, which is God's kingdom on the earth, expressed. God's kingdom on the earth. Let me repeat it again. The three kinds of the will of God, the revealed will of God, which we see in the word of God, of which some people are saying um, that if, if truly the Bible is the word of God, there cannot be errors in it. Some human beings put it together and therefore there could be some error in terms of one or two But if you really, I keep saying, if you really sit down and you study the Bible carefully, you realize that the Bible interprets itself and balances itself in, anywhere. So some people take things out of isolation and all. The Bible is not a book of error. It's a book that is tempered, through, through, tempered with true and true. And it has one thing that is the motif. That is Christ. It runs right. It runs through that um, uh, scriptures. Let's look at further. Our Father in heaven, hello be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God, doing the will of God is sitting and expressing the kingdom. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we, we, we not, uh, have, we not, have we not prophesied in your name? So you see what they are doing? What they are doing doesn't it not look like the Christian thing that you see. They prophesy in the name of God. They cast out demons in his name. Um, And they do many wonders in his name. And then I would declare to them, I knew you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And that word lawlessness is anomia in the Greek. And it means you have become a law unto yourself. Now you did all of this prophesying, casting out demons and signs and wonders. And what God, Jesus is essentially saying is that you are like a woman who have gone to your husband And say, husband, I am pregnant. And they say, for whom? Because I know I did not put that seed in you. These people did their own thing. They are totally illegal. So they are described as lawless. Doing the will of God is what must satisfy us and we must search after. Another way to seek it is becoming children again. You remember? Go back and check the teaching I did on um, receiving the kingdom under uh, grace grace constitutes empowerment. Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 and 3. And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are convicted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom, let me make a simple comment. The kingdom of God is not at the point of maturity, but it's at the point of becoming children. Therefore, we need to move from the place where we are matured, skilled, and experienced, and we know it all, and we know the next step that God is leading, and come to the place of the innocency of a child, the sinlessness of a child, the trusting nature of a child where I can just trust my father and relate to him. There is something about children that we must become. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, become a child again inside the kingdom of God, not physically. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Receiving the kingdom as a little child, look at it. Mark chapter 10, verse 15. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom as a little child will by no means enter into it. I've elaborated that already. We need to move to the place where, you know, children children are learning. We need to come to that point of learning. again. We need to unlearn a lot of things that tradition and the systems of the world have taught us. Let me, let me just see the time. Okay, so give me five minutes. I'll wrap up on this. I think maybe next week we finish, we finish all this. Next week we push and finish all this. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. 1 Peter chapter 1, chapter 2, the verse 2. Our whole being needs to be born again. Our whole being needs to be born again. John 3, 5. Jesus answered most assuredly, I say to you, unless, unless one is born of water and of spirit, and, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let's, let's talk about this some more. That he might sanctify and cleanse her from, with the washing of water by the word. I mean, our whole being, our whole being, our whole being needs to experience this. How do we enter and assess the kingdom? Tests and trials. Acts of the 14, 21 through 22. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Have you seen how through life circumstances, as loving as, as you continue to love God, you press in and you reach out? and you discover different layers of God's power, God's glory, God's manifestation in your life. We, through many tribulations, sometimes through luck, and then we trust God, and then boom, the miracle is released. Sometimes through the challenging circumstances, we trust God, and the miracle is released. We need to inherit the kingdom, and one of the ways is through tests and trials. Mental agonies and stress. Can you imagine? You go through all of these things. Sometimes attacks from demonic forces. They will come at you. And it's as if you are being taken by the tailspin into a vortex. But as you cry to God, save me, Jesus. He comes to save you. Attacks from family, fellow believers and unbelievers. You teach something, they will ostracize you, they will attack you, they will fight you, they will persecute you. You became born again and family will fight you until they find the light. All of these things are part of the tribulation. So if there's a young believer going through all these things, and be encouraged because through tribulation you must inherit the kingdom. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. Philippians 1:29. For you it has been granted on the behalf of Christ. So you see that Christianity does says that and by faith, I have a suit on my back, I have a brand new car, I have this breakthrough, and it 's as if life is rosy and there is no pain. That Christianity is a lie. it 's another gospel. The, the, the gospel that is the gospel of the kingdom, which is according to Christ, says that you suffer for christ 's sake. you suffer for Christ's sake.. Oof. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ. Will suffer persecution. Ah, let me stop here. We take this one next week. Thank you. God bless 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 you. So let's get a bit interactive and let's pray, and then um, we can have a, some of us our days starting. What did you hear? Any comment? Any feedback? Any thoughts? Anything that you feel should be elaborated? Go ahead and mute yourself. Who is there? Who is there?
2: Okay. Yes, Ruth. I want to ask this question. Go ahead. Um, you, this, you were talking about a Christian and then a kingdom person, the okay. difference. Okay. I I that you said a Christian pay tithes and you a arms. A kingdom person creates wealth for kingdom purposes. Yes. I don't understand that one very well. So let please, me, if you could elaborate let on that. Let,
0: let me just explain that. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to say so much that will begin to throw the meeting into another thing. But I don't want to even go into the argument of Tithing to start with. Because um, let, me, let, me, let me do this. Tithing, first of all, is not an Old Testament practice. Tithing is not the Old Testament practice in terms of under Aaron, the high priest. Tithing transcends Aaron. You see that in the book of Genesis, I think, chapter 14. Abraham was the first person to tithe. Abraham was the first person to tithe. If you do the mathematics of tithing, those of us who are mathematicians, 10% is an expression of the whole. 10%, the the principle of the iceberg is saying that what you see, 90% is down there, but the eyes that you see up there is just 10%. So the principle about tithing is this, is the 100% of all of who you are. The principle about tithing starts with all of whom you are will ever be, you possess and will ever have. So um, when people get bracketed into 10%, it's because we don't even understand this issue of tithing to start with. Secondly, Jesus Christ never emphasized, and I'm just giving you this background so that I'll make a very simple comment. Jesus Christ never emphasized tithing. But you see, Paul mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, the verse 7, that even liver in the loins of his father received tithe. And it's the reason why the priest received tithe. You look through the New Testament, you don't see um, the early church talking about tithe. And I'm not against somebody talking about it, but if we want to talk about it, <clears throat> if I want to discuss tithing with you, then you have to give your whole self to God. And the issue of giving goes beyond just finances. Right now, you are sitting you have given your time and your attention. Even though this is free, you have given your time and your attention. You is working there. You are a bunch of So, I am totally, um, 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 I go bonkers at, at, at the kind of teaching that says that um, giving is all about money. You give your time, you give your moment, you give your mind, you give your attention. You have a bunch of seats that is working. Now, the Christian, the average believer is just thinking about, okay, I want to give my tithe and I want to give arm um, and bless people. The kingdom believer, he is giving 100%. He is, if it's about tithing, he's tithing and goes beyond, beyond 10%. Not just that, as if that is not enough, He's gone into looking for witting inventions and ideas. I, knowledge dwells with wisdom to find out about witting inventions and begin to trust God that God will give him wealth so that he can advance. His objective is not about self gratification, his objective is that I am even going to advance the kingdom, support the kingdom, and bless the kingdom so that things of God can advance forward, other than things taken into my hands. You remember I said, if you understand this thing very well, finances, for example, will not stick into your hands. When I made a reference that there are a lot of people who have discovered the kingdom, but they are locked out. They, have no, they, they don't have the resources and the technology and to, to step out there to even speak. So as a result, their confidence is broken. But we have a bunch of Christians who are millionaires And they just want to continue to add zeros to the accounts in the the bank account. And then they can boast and say, I have this wealth, I have that wealth. But we need to step into the kingdom and create wealth and begin to talk about kingdom economics. Kingdom economics, my God, it's it's broader. And some of the principles of which you see in the book of Acts where the Bible says nobody lacked, nobody lacked, So, I'm not saying that tithing is wrong. But you see, some of these preachers will manipulate us and say, um, you are cursed with a curse because you didn't tithe. You are cursed with a curse because you didn't tithe. No. You must have confidence in the God that you believe in. And if it's 10%, that is your ability to start with. You start from 10%. But grow to 100%. Grow to give yourself. What is the titan of 10% and you yourself, you're not giving to God. God will bless you. God will open the windows and bless you. And another thing I've said is this. Show me how many people have tithe and and they are below You realize that it is not just in tithing. The the normal Christian says, oh, tithe and give and go back and sleep. There's a preaching that says that is a prosperity gospel mindset we are dealing with. That prosperity gospel mindset is that Give and where rest. God will do it. God will give you a miracle. So we are waiting and we are waiting for one miracle to happen to us. We are waiting for somebody to come and know. So, but here is Ruth. You are making effort. You are doing your business. You are thinking, what should I do next? God, God, give me an idea. Uh, Prophet Mark, pray. What do we do? W- which way? And all of this. And you are, you are rolling out. You are searching and reaching out. You are not a lazy woman. You go to give a tithe of 10% or 20% or whatever it is. I, me, the tithe that I give, I don't give 10%. No. I said, God has blessed me and done so much to me. Why do I take only 10%? I give more than that. And then I set aside and give to others. But at the same time, okay, my business. What is the next idea? I have to send invoice. I have to call a client. I have to call a customer. I'm making effort, and I'm trusting God that God will channel a blessing into my business. I walk past the garden of a lazy man, and the walls were broken, and tons and thistles had grown all over it. Then I looked upon, and I understood, and I was instructed that a little folding of arms, then poverty shall come upon you like an arm robber. That's what the Bible says. So, the point is that. The average believer says, give, 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 and no effort. No sense of direction. No, no strategy for living. No strategy to expand and grow. To believe God. Even the strategy and the motive for wealth is wrong. Is that I want a large house, I want a big car, and all. You know something? Um, there is a man who uh, works with my wife. Not that works with my wife, but she, I say she, he is um, he's a preacher and he's a clearing agent. And he lives outside the country. Recently had COVID-19. There is something called the end of yourself, Ruth, and everybody. Sometimes the things that we are pursuing, we want a big car. I'm not saying car is wrong. Look, car is never a luxury at all. If you, if you don't have a car, and you are walking down the road, and the rain starts coming down on you. And you have your mobile phone and your laptop in your bag and some books in your bag. Stephen, you remember these things? You will understand what the situation is. Car, is never a luxury. I remember how one day, rain beat one of my friends and I. We took photos. If you look on Facebook, it's there. That photo is somewhere there on Facebook. We were beaten by the rain. We were carrying our bags, and we were walking through the rain. God have mercy that our laptops didn't get drenched. Car is not a luxury. But the pursuit of it by this Christianity called prosperity is wrong. It's never the prosperity of Jesus Christ. So Ruth, give, bless, but reach out to grow in wealth and begin to express kingdom economics where you begin to promote the things of the kingdom and bless the kingdom and support the kingdom in the manner that God will live in heaven and said, have you seen my servant Ruth? Have you seen my servant Grace? This is a place we want to to live in. We don't want to just get blessed, nice house, nice car. We have Christian children, Christian wife, and we are creating no impact in the earth. So those would be my thoughts. If somebody thinks, You have something more to add. Please go ahead and shoot it.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. I understand. Thank you. I I thought that you were going to say maybe no pay of tithe, but I understood. Immediately you used the test. The early Christians, yes. Yes. The followers of Christ, they were not paying, but they were sharing. They gave
0: gave abundantly. Abundantly. That was
2: when Ania and Safiria made that me. Thank you. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you for catching the vision. I have a whole teaching on that. If I talk about tithing, oh boy, there's something called shared life. In the New Testament, it's called shared life. Shared life. In the Old Testament, a tooth for tooth. Eye for eye. In the New Testament, it's shared life. You own nothing. I own nothing. That is the life we have. That is a tithe. You own nothing. I own nothing. Every single thing I have is given to me For God himself. I am a steward of divine mystery. If I'm a preacher. Freely you receive. Freely you must give. I am a steward of wealth. If you begin to see yourself this way. Come on. You are opening yourself for heaven. To bless. You are opening yourself for heaven to bless. Any more. Any more. Any more? Any more questions? Any more thoughts? Okay. If there are no questions, we want to pray again. We want to pray for Tracy. And want to pray for our dear friend, Anderson Williams. Thank you. And God bless you. Okay, let me see something before we go ahead. Okay, yes. God God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.